Man, it's so good to be with you. It's been a few years since I've been up here, and it's so great to see so many familiar faces. What a blessing it is to be with one of my best friends in the world. I don't know if he knows that, but uh, Brother Jim really is one of my best friends. Amen. And uh, I'm so thankful to be with them. And, of course, uh, my wife Katie is with me. And, uh, man, I, I've gotten to the point in my life where, man, I really would rather not go out of town unless she was with me. Amen. And, uh, and so that's always a good thing. You, you don't want to be to the point where you can't wait to get out of town to get away from your wife. Amen. I shouldn't be teaching a marriage conference if I believe that way. Amen. But uh, I want you to turn your Bibles, please, the book of Philemon. And 2 Timothy chapter 4, Philemon. I don't know if you ever heard the story of the uh, old blind cowboy that wandered into a, a saloon full of Michigan fans. Have you ever heard that? Kind of found his way to a table and after sitting there for a while, he, he yelled out to the to the bartender there at the saloon, he said, hey, you want to hear a Michigan joke? Well, the place immediately fell silent. So in a very deep, husky voice, there's a person next to him and said this. Now, now, before you tell that joke, I think it's only fair, given that you're blind, that you should know four things. There's a guy behind you with a baseball bat. There's a guy in front of you that has a club. person next to me is a professional weightlifter and and there's the person next on the other side of you that is a black belt in karate, and they're all Michigan fans. So do you really think you ought to be telling a Michigan joke? He said, no, nah, not if I've got to have to explain it four times. <laughs> I know my audience. Amen. <laughs> Philemon, chapter 1. Do we stand when... We read, can we stand please as we read the word of God together? Philemon chapter 1 and, and, and then Second Timothy chapter 4. It is such a privilege to be at Grace Baptist Church. The music has been fantastic. The fellowship has been sweet. I feel like it's a home away from home. And it is an honor for me to be behind the pulpit today. Truly, it is an honor. And so I hope that today... Uh, you can enjoy uh, having maybe someone a little different, amen, than your pastor. But I hope we're preaching the same message, amen. So in Philemon chapter 1 and in 2 Timothy chapter 4, would you look please in Philemon in verse number, oh, let's say verse number 23. There salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Would you look over a few pages to Second Timothy chapter 4. Let's begin in verse number 9. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demoth hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Crescens to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and, and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Antichicus have I sent to Ephesus, the cloth I left at Troas with Carpus, and when thou comest, bring with thee in the books, but especially the parchments. Look on down and, oh, let's say verse number 19. Salute Prisca and Aquila in the household of Anisiphorus, and Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletum sick. Do thy diligence to come before winter. 
Eublilus uh, is, greetest thee, and Pudens, and Linus, and Claudia, and all the brethren, the Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit, grace be with you, amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for these examples of just everyday men and women that have become a part of this early local church, and I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see from the scriptures today how can we, how we can remain an active part of your body, the church. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. One of the amazing infallible proofs that we find in Scripture of the resurrection of Christ is the dramatic change, the transformation among the apostles that walked with Jesus during his earthly ministry and then after his resurrection. And the change that took place in their life. If you remember during, uh, during the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, while he walked this earth, the disciples did not understand most of what he was talking about. There were times where they actually rebuked the Lord Jesus Christ for him teaching on the death, burial, and resurrection. They understood, the Bible even says that when they worshiped him, some doubted it. But following the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be a witness of his death, to to know that he was in the tomb for three days and three nights, and to see him rise literally bodily from the grave and to walk and talk with the resurrected Savior for 40 days, and then to see his ascension into heaven. And then we see the dramatic change in the apostles who at one time when, when the, the guards came to, to arrest the Lord Jesus, the Bible says they all forsook him and fled. But then after the resurrection, do you remember there in Acts chapter 2 and 3, Peter preaching. You see the, the change that took place in, in a man like Peter's life. And to see how he preached to the Jews on that Jewish holiday and Pentecost. And, and he was inviting them to receive the Lord Jesus as their king. And the kingdom of heaven, that earthly, visible, literal kingdom was still being offered there to the Jews. that said, if, if you would receive him, he shall send Jesus. He condemned, Peter did, the very people that crucified, that he ran from just a short time before. Now he's preaching against them, saying that you have crucified him. What a dramatic change. Only the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ could do something like that. And we see the apostles and we, we see their power in their preaching there in those early chapters in chapter 2 and chapter 3 and chapter 4 where you've got Peter and John uh, seeing the beggar there and saying, silver and gold have I none but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. What power? We understand and know that, that those apostles were the apostles, the, the apostles to the circumcision. We understand and know that they were offering the kingdom of Israel, uh, to Israel. And, and we understand that, that, that the Jews require a sign, but the Greeks seek after wisdom. And so these apostles there, they were preaching truth and they were, we, we saw the miracles and see the great things that, that Peter and John had done. Then by the time we get to Acts chapter 7, as you know, They reject, of course, they blaspheme the Holy Ghost, and that was it. Then the gospel goes from the Jew to the Greek. We find there in in Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch getting saved. And, of course, in Acts chapter 9, we have the apostles, uh, the apostle to the Gentiles, Paul getting saved. But, again, Paul saw the resurrected Savior. And so we see all of these people in the early chapters of Acts, in the early history of the church, that had seen the Lord risen. And we think, well, it was easy for them. 
It was easy for them to, to want to serve the king because they saw him face to face. And we think, well, no wonder it's difficult for us. We've never seen him with our eyes. Oh, but folks, there are so many people that were saved in those early church days that were people just like you and me that heard the gospel of Jesus Christ preached, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and then he rose from the dead according to the scriptures, and they received that free gift of salvation. So just like you and me, they didn't witness the resurrection of Christ like the apostles did. They didn't. Uh, they weren't privy to those signs and wonders like the apostles were. They just began to receive Christ and then become active parts of the church. We find over there in the book of Second Peter chapter 1 that, that Peter says, I was a witness of the resurrection. I, was, I heard the audible voice of God. But we have a more sure word of prophecy today. All the scriptures, as holy men of God, spake, uh, were moved by the Holy Ghost. So all of those things there we see, but Paul begins to present for us. Here in the early church, a family of men and women who just served and labored in the work of the Lord alongside him. And so we see this model of ministry in the early church, this partnership where, yes, the church is led by pastor and deacons under the, the authority of the pastor, but it is the everyday folks, the people who are saved, who are an active part of the ministry. And, and Paul called them fellow laborers in the work. But notice in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we've got all of these individuals that, that I relate to, like Crescens there in, in 2 Timothy 4, and Titus, and, and Luke, and, and Mark, and, and Tychicus, and Prisca, and Aquila, and Erastus, and Eubulus, and, and, and Pudens, and Linus, and Claudia, all these people that, that Paul names by name because they're important to the ministry. Then we see something different, don't we? Something that stands out there in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And that's a man by the name of Demas. And notice it says something about Demas that's different than any of those other workers there that were Paul's laborers. It says back in verse number 10, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. I don't know if there's anything more hurtful, more discouraging to a pastor than to see people that that he's invested his life in, spent time discipling and, and going through the word of God, being there for them in the good times and the bad, and to see just one day out of the blue with all the tools that they have available to them, just walk away from it all. There is a danger for every child of God, no matter how exciting church life is, to begin to love the world. Matter of fact, John says it over there in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 15. You know it well. It says this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I believe that there are these, these everyday church members not those that are the apostles, not one that have been in, have power uh, to perform miracles and signs and wonders, but but just the folks that that are part of the ministry of the local church. I believe they are in there to teach us some valuable truth. 
for this dispensation, this Laodicea age in which we live. And I believe Demas is one of them. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And I, I began to think about Demas and, and what he had available to him and how in the world, surrounded by, by faithful church members, did he get to this place in his life? Every one of us, every one of us is susceptible to make the same life choice to choose the world over the church. Every one of us. So how can we protect ourselves? Wouldn't you want to know how to protect ourselves from turning out like Demas? I wonder how many of us know a Demas in our life that at one time was a, a very active part and has forsaken the church for the world. Well, it can happen to any of us. There are pastors that, that Pastor Jim and I know that were once pastoring churches and, and at one time were joyous and thriving who are not in the ministry at all now. How do we get to that place? Well, we're going to show you. I wouldn't ask you a question like that if I wasn't willing to show you. So let's look at it today. How can we remain an active part of the church? There are three things we find in the text today. Number one, by staying involved. That was deep, wasn't it? Pastor Jim said that I, I have my PhD. It's things like that that really helped me for points like this. Staying involved. Staying. Now, back to Philemon. Let's look at it. I heard somebody say Philemon. Amen. Philemon, 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 whatever. All right? He's not around for me to hurt him if I mispronounce his name. There saluteth the Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. Now look at these names right here. Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. Hold your place there. We're going to look at some things. Look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We are going to use, and I love being in a church that is used to using their Bibles for Bible messages. Isn't it amazing how many people believe they're preaching the Bible and never really use the Bible in, in the preaching? I don't have to worry about that here. I like that. First uh, Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse number 9. It says, for we are laborers together. Man, what a great verse. But look who we're together with. Not only each other, but with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Look at chapter 15, verse number 58 of 1 Corinthians. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that you're what? Labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so the first time that Demas is mentioned in Christian life, here in Philemon, notice he is a fellow laborer. And we know what that means. They're working together with God for his work, his building, the church, the body of Christ. Demas must have been a great help to Paul for of all the people in those churches. He's going to mention him. And notice what company he's in here that Paul begins to mention. Marcus, we're going to talk about him a little bit later. You remember Marcus at first got cold feet, didn't he? 
But then later he became a useful part of the ministry. We know that Marcus wrote the second gospel. Tradition says, I don't know, that he was the first missionary to Egypt. His converts, it says, were so committed to the work of Christ that the entire world was amazed at that time. Lucas, that's Luke, another writer of the third gospel and the book of Acts. He was a man who went with Paul on his second and the third and fourth missionary journey. This is the Lucas that faced imprisonment, that faced persecution, shipwreck, and sickness. And he was dedicated to Paul because he was dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what. Then you got Aristarchus that's mentioned here in verse number 24. We understand that Aristarchus was a man that stayed by Paul's side during a riot against Christianity there in Ephesus. He even accompanied him to Rome where he shared in his imprisonment. What a man of God. These are the fellow laborers that Paul is including Demas in. Philemon, look at chapter 1, verse 1. Philemon himself, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved, and what? Fellow laborer. We understand that Paul wrote this letter and commended his faith, his love, his benevolence, his hospitality, his sympathizing, forgiving spirit. That type of attitude. Paul says, Philemon is a fellow laborer. Titus in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is called a fellow helper. In describing Titus, Paul says that he was dependable, he was reliable, he is diligent. And, and I love in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, it says that he had an affection for the church that he was ministering in. He loved the people. That's a fellow helper. Epaphroditus in Philippians 2 and Colossians 1 is called a companion in labor and a fellow servant. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 2, Timothy, Paul's disciple, Paul's son in the faith, the pastor of the church of Ephesus is called a fellow laborer. In Romans 16, there's two more that are called fellow laborers. In Philippians chapter 4, we find that there were several women in the church that were called fellow laborers. Are we starting to get it? This is the kind of man that Paul said Demas was at first. For him to be included in a list like this, that we just described their behavior, we just described their life, their walk with God, and their help to the Apostle Paul. This is the kind of man that Demas was at the first. If we want to be an active and stay an active part of the Lord's body, here's what you do. Don't just come in here and sit. Be active in the work. Be active in the labor. Be active in the ministry. And then, watch this, diligently, purposely stay that way. Because I tell you, it's going to be real easy to find excuses. Real easy. I like, you know, I don't like a lot of slogans that they do, you know, like on church signs. But there's a couple that are pretty good, I thought. You will only get interest back in something you've invested in. That's pretty good. I like this. The more you miss church, the less you'll miss church. That hit me. For, it took me a minute. That's pretty good. Demas helped Paul. Notice he was a fellow laborer. And as it was defined with all of these other men and women, he helped them in the good times. But watch, he also helped them in the bad times. 
There were fellow laborers that were with him in the work in prison when he was being persecuted there outside Ephesus. And all of these, this is what a co-laborer, a fellow laborer was. In other words, he was part of what you'd say the elite crowd, if you will, the Christ cloud, uh, crowd. You got Paul and Mark and Luke and Titus and Philemon. These were the people that Demas was associated with at one time. Look over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I feel like I'm loud, but what else is new? You know, I'm not yelling. I'm just excited. I'm not mad. First Thessalonians chapter one and verse number two. We give thanks to God always for you all. Making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing. Look at this. Without ceasing. Stay this way. Your work of faith. And labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Do you want to remain an active part of the church? Then stay involved in the work of the Lord. The other day we were trying to pick stuff out. Uh, a couple of years ago I was with you for, for a, a trunk and treat activity. We had always done like fall festivals at our church, but they were kind of waning. And honestly, there was a lot of effort that I really just didn't want to do anymore. And so it was really fun because I got to watch y'all's trunk and treat where, where uh pastor really didn't have to do a whole lot. And y'all did all the work. I thought this is the greatest thing in ministry I've ever seen. <laughs> And so a couple years ago, we started doing that in our church. Man, it was phenomenal. People were coming out of the woodwork. I've never seen the rocks that people were crawling out of to come to this trunk and treat activity. We've had a great time. I can't remember where I was going with that. Oh, yes. And so we were working on our theme uh, for this year, different things that we wanted to do. And Katie was with I have three kids. I have Caroline. She's 15. Some of y'all know her from youth camp. I have Maddie, who's 11. And then I have Abe, my son, and he's almost seven. And uh, so they were looking at different things, and we were trying to think of different themes. And one of the different themes was kind of a food theme that we wanted to do. I, I was going to make a really funny joke about my wife, but then I reeled that in right there about food and my wife. And that's probably not a good idea after a marriage conference. And so anyway, so we uh, there was a shirt that said, uh, uh, and everybody's laughing at all these little puns that they have, you know. And one of them was like, let us pray. Get it? Let us pray. Let us, you know, like a salad awful. Well, we just, you know, everybody just started busting out laughing and everybody's laughing at all these different things. And Abraham, who's six, looks at his mom and he gets real serious. He says, "Uh -uh, we don't joke about God. (laughs) We don't joke about God. Oh, okay, Mr. Spiritual. All right. Gosh, let's have an altar call, Abraham. We ought to stay, (laughs) we ought to stay involved. We got to stay a part of the work of the Lord. So, By staying involved. How can we remain an active part of the church? By staying involved. Secondly, by not getting indifferent. By not getting indifferent. And and here's where it gets dangerous. For church people who become accustomed to great fellowship and great preaching and the work of God getting done and seeing other people come in and begin to do the work of the Lord. Do you know that there's also a danger for the thriving churches to have church members become indifferent? You know, Demas is mentioned three times in Scripture. We find the one there in Philemon. We've already read the one in Second Timothy, and we'll end there. But there's one other time that Demas is mentioned, and I find it striking. Go to Colossians chapter 4. 
Colossians chapter 4. So the first time Paul mentions Demas, he's a fellow laborer. We know the last time he's mentioned, he hath forsaken me. But what happened between those two? I believe Colossians has the answer. Colossians chapter 4. Oh, let's start in verse number 7, because we're going to use Tychicus uh, a little bit later to help us understand what, what Paul is saying here. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your estate and comfort your heart with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother. Boy, he is just talking all of these great men up, isn't he? Who is one of you? They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. There's Aristarchus again. Aristarchus, who is he? Well, he's a fellow prisoner. He saluteth you, Marcus, sister, son to Barnabas, touching whom you receive commandments. If he come unto you, receive him. All this great description about all the same men that we saw already in Philemon. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision. These only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. There's Epaphras again, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you always, laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Man, everybody is still an active part of the local church, aren't they? For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you, and them that are in Laodicea, and them in Aeropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, everybody gets a description. And Demas greet you. Where's his description? Now, isn't that something? Every single one of these church members that Paul is mentioning by name has some great description about their continued work in the Lord, except Demas. Hmm. I think we learn a lot from words that are not there sometimes. And that's one of them. Look at this. He's just Demas. He's still there. I mean, he's still coming. He's not necessarily causing Paul any trouble, but he's no longer a fellow laborer. He's not a fellow prisoner, right? He's not laboring fervently for the church in prayers. He said, well, you're just, you're just adding more to it than what's there. Well, let me compare how Demas is mentioned here to how Paul mentions, say, this other just everyday church member, Tychicus. Because every time Tychicus, I like, I just like saying that, Tychicus. I think every time he's mentioned, there's some sort of great description about his ministry. Ephesians 6, 21, he's the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord. In Colossians 4, 7, a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, and Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. He's still in the work of the Lord. Titus 3, 12, when, when I shall send Artemis unto thee, or Tychicus, he's still an active part. Not Demas. Demas is just there by name only with nothing good to describe anymore his work for the Lord. I believe right here Paul has a clear message. Demas is still coming, not a troublemaker, but I believe there's an indifference that has come to the work. How? Well, maybe he saw people coming. 
Maybe he's a greeter. Maybe he sees other people participating in the work of the Lord. But he himself, Paul does not describe like he describes every other person in that same list over there in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and also in Philemon chapter 1. He is no longer the fellow laborer. Matter of fact, there's no description at all, just his name. Where everybody else that he mentions in those same lists, there's a long description of their great uh, ministry. What happened? I mean, he's under this preaching. He knows Paul personally. I just think Demas became comfortable. The more he was under good, sound Bible preaching, the more he got used to it. Perhaps the more he thought it maybe it was for somebody else than them. Hmm. Perhaps he thought he had done enough. Perhaps he was tired. Perhaps the honeymoon was over, right? This beautiful building that he once loved, ah, it's okay now. You with me? Just an indifference. Perhaps people kept disappointing in them. Have you ever, uh, have you ever been there? Have church people ever disappointed you? Some of y'all are afraid to raise your hand because you don't know who you're talking about. Amen. Sure. I've been in the ministry now, uh, since, uh, well, full time since 1998. But I've been in, in, in church most all my life. And I'm going to tell you, people will disappoint you. I think, I, I don't know if I told the story here. If, if I've never told the story, then, or if I have told the story before, then just act like you've never heard it before. Like, ah, oh, that's amazing. But uh, I remember when I was a teenager, just getting involved in church. I had just gotten saved. I'd just been uh, uh, surrendered to preach. And, and I remember I was working in the sound booth. Amen. Amen for good sound people. Amen for good sound people. Good night. There ain't nothing I hate worse than when you come up to the pulpit and the microphone's not on. Y'all, I'm just telling you, if I ever had a good spirit, right, on my way to the pulpit and I begin to say, good morning, and, and my mic is not on, that's it, I'm done. Good morning, ah, I'm just going to get in the car and go home. I don't understand how difficult it is to hit the mute button. Are you all with me? I'm not saying y'all ever do that, amen. It happens all the time. Some people have been doing it in our church for 20 years. I wish I, I wish I just had the mindset to fire people. Anyway, we might want to edit that just in case any of our church people watch this message. I just thought that through. Okay. So anyway, uh, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm a teenager. I'm, I'm doing the sound room, and, and the way the sound was, you know, it's kind of up, you know, and, and uh, 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 there was kind of a, a closet that you would walk up, and so there I was there, and I had everything set up. And, and I'm just, you know, trying to do some fancy camera work with that big old camera that, you know, that you used to rest on your shoulder, you know, going around, you know. And, and I noticed that there were a couple people in the, in the choir loft that were pointing at me, a couple old ladies, and they didn't look very pleased. And they're like, and you can just tell by the look on their face, you know. And so somebody uh, was was uh, singing a special, and I was like, that's kind of weird. So I started putting the zoom on because I wanted to try to see if I could read lips, what they were saying. I couldn't figure it out. So after the service, one of these uh, uh, old lady, you know, he said, well, who's old? I'll just let you make up your mind what age you think that is. And so she comes up to me, and she says, I saw you turn off the camera. I said, what, what are you talking about? She said, when, when Brother Ray got up here to sing, I saw you turn off the camera. You, you did that because you don't like him. I was like 14 years old that we didn't even record through the camera. I don't know why that light was on. It never should have been on, you know, but critical, that critical spirit, man, that'll get you bitter pretty quick. I remember uh, my, my dad, who is now kind of my CFO in the church. Uh, he started our church. He's my best friend in the world. Uh, in 2004, he had a massive heart attack. And while he was there, of course, I was not the, the, the senior pastor there, but I'm trying to hold it kind of all together. My dad was in the hospital. We didn't know if he was going to live or die. And so I'm just trying to do everything I can. I'm up at the hospital every day. I'm down here at the church trying to do that, just trying to, to tread water, if you will. 
And I had one of our, our, our men come and say, I, I need to meet with you. So we, so I'm like, okay, let's meet. And so he begins to tell me. Now, while my dad is in the hospital, he begins to tell me about, he said, we're really missing the mark of ministry. And he begins to criticize what's going on in church when all I'm trying to do is not, you know, drive off a bridge. Are you with me? But so you can get better. I don't know if that's what happened to Demas. I don't know if just the busyness of life got to where, hey, it's good enough that I'm coming. I mean, I'm really doing God a favor. I mean, I get to listen to the preaching, but he's not a fellow laborer anymore. I believe that there is a danger in this culture in which we live that we get so accustomed to the word of God that we get indifferent to it. Perhaps we think it's for everybody else and we've done all the work that we need to do. So he went from, you know, Demas just went from a fellow laborer to a pew setter. Eh, it's not causing trouble. Yeah. But there's obviously some sort of change of attitude. You don't just wake up one day, you with me, and, and be a fellow laborer and you wake up and say, you know what? I really love the world more than God. <laughs> right? It doesn't happen that way. I believe it's a gradual process. And I believe indifference is what bridges the gap between fellow laborer and forsaking the Lord. Wow, isn't that something? Right there in the text. I was reminded of Jeremiah 16, of 6.10 that said, To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised, and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. Never get to the place. Never get to the place in your life where you don't delight. Well, look at our, look at your theme verse. I will delight myself in the commandments which I have loved. What a great reminder. Because the danger for you and me in this age in which we live in the church, when we're no longer persecuted, but rather we have riches, we have everything that we need, is to feel like we don't need God anymore. And we don't need conviction anymore. And we don't need to come to the altar anymore. And we don't need to think about the preacher preaching a message that may actually be for me. Isn't that something? And so what do we see? How can we remain an active part in the church? By staying involved, by not getting indifferent, and finally today, by not becoming infatuated. By not becoming infatuated. The Bible says back over in, in 2 Timothy, let's look at it. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 10. Every time Demas shows up in the Scripture, and obviously it's on purpose, we find two other men that are always with Demas, Luke and Mark. Very interesting to me. And the ministry of Demas is a great contrast to the ministry of Mark. If you'll remember, Mark starts out by deserting Paul and, and ends up being profitable in the end. Demas starts out profitable, right? And, and ends up forsaking Paul in the end. I'm reminded of, of Ecclesiastes chapter 7 where it says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. You know why? Because in the beginning, everybody gets excited and it's popular and it's new and it's fun, right? But if you stay through and finish the course like, like Paul said, right? That's when you know it's, it's, it's not infatuation with just the newness of ministry. It's a true delight and love in the Lord and what he is doing through his body. 
So what we find here is Luke, of course, we know his ministry. But notice it says he, he's loved this present world. Now, what are we talking about? Now, I'm sure many of you, you love the outdoors, right? You love the trees. Do you love to see me and Pastor Jim were talking? I love the beach. I don't want to live there. I'm not really in the mood for hurricane season. Yeah, don't want to be boarding up my windows every year, but it's a great place to visit. Amen? I don't think it's fair that we have pastor friends who hate the beach, but pastor there. That doesn't seem right to me. And so, I'm from the ATL. So any chance I can get away to mountains or beach or, or Ohio with a beautiful snow? Amen? I don't see snow. Amen? So this was beautiful. Yesterday, I'm sitting here teaching and snowflakes are falling. I just want to say, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. You know what I mean? Just awesome. What was I saying? Oh, go to Galatians chapter 1. That's not the world that Paul is talking about. Although, obviously, those things certainly can come between you and the Lord. But notice Galatians chapter 1. Remember, having loved this present world. Notice how Paul defines that in Galatians chapter 1. Look at verse number 4. Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present, what? Evil world, according to the will of God and our Father. Loving this present evil world will rob you of your service for the Lord Jesus Christ will destroy your love for the God that you cannot see for a world that you can see. Hmm. Sensual. Sensual wisdom rather than wisdom from above. So near the end of Paul's life, when he needed help the most, here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, oh, Demas just left him altogether. It started off being a fellow laborer, and now he's just present. Now he's not even present anymore. He said, that'll never happen to me. I bet Demas thought it would never happen to him too. I bet at the beginning, Paul probably never thought that it would happen to Demas either. But yet here he is, having loved this present world. Wow. How does that happen? You've got men like Timothy and Luke and Mark and Epaphras and, and Aristarchus and, and Onesimus. These are the men that, that had not only tremendous influence in the church, but they were fellow laborers with Demas. How does that ever happen? You know what the Bible says over there in Luke chapter 8 and verse number 14? It says, and that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked. Listen, choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. That's what it means to love the world. You can be around truth. You can make a profession of your faith. You can get into the association with the most elite people in Christian ministry. You could be a, a companion and a co-laborer and co-worker with the apostle Paul himself and still go astray. James chapter 4 verse 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. There's no middle ground as you know. There's no gray area here. We're talking about the world system. We're talking about that, that system of rebellion, of, of humanism, of, of the sinful, corrupt, fallen human thought. 
whatever form that takes, whether philosophical or religious, listen to me, anything that is against the revealed word of God constitutes the evil present world system. Man, there's so many believers today that have become so selfish that they put the pleasures of the flesh above the humble service of the Lord who saved them from everlasting death. Do you understand today, if you don't know Christ as Savior, no matter who you are, no matter what your past ever was, no matter what the sin in your life ever could be, that Jesus came to die for your sins. That he died on a cross and he rose from the dead and he offers you today the free gift of eternal salvation. Not of works lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. And when that happens, oh, you get to be his child. Your spirit is quickened within you. You have life and you get to be a part of his body. And you get to serve in the ministry of reconciliation and be an ambassador of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Every person here has that opportunity. Demas had that opportunity. He, He took that opportunity and he wasted the rest of his life. He's guilty. Remember, He said, never happened to me. I know this sounds so weird, but I am strangely, as a pastor, encouraged by the the example of Judas Iscariot. He said, what in the world do you mean by that? Because I think to myself, I can't believe people would leave our ministry. I can't believe that after all these years of investing in their life, well, well, Judas walked with the Lord Jesus Christ for three and a half years. Jesus loved him, called him friend, right? And he betrayed him. It could happen. It could happen to anybody. Anybody, anywhere. He was enticed. So we stop becoming an active part of the church when we become infatuated with sin. We convince ourselves that that maybe growing up in church has robbed us of some, some imagined fun. There's nobody, by the way, that has more fun than we do. We talk about the Baptist History Tour. Man, you, you, you realize you can have fun without being drunk? You can have fun without living a life of sin? Now, now, I'm not saying any of us are perfect. Far from it. Amen? But what I'm saying is we imagine that we're missing out on a life that's filled with despair and destruction. It, if riches and wealth and fame were what life was all about, then how come so many Hollywood stars and musicians kill themselves? end up in a life of drugs and alcohol to try to dull the pain. It's it's a living example of what true joy really is. Demas made a choice. You know, I always heard this saying, the grass is only greener on the other side because it's watered underneath by a septic line. That's pretty good, isn't it? You know, the greenest part of your lawn is going to be where the septic line is, right? Demas made a choice. He loved the world more than God. And that's what it boils down to in our life. Who do you love more? Remember when when church was your main priority? Remember when you could not wait to sign up to serve the Lord? Remember when, when you loved just being around God's people, you could not wait for the next event? Ask yourself this question. Did the world get to you? 
like it got to Demas? Are you a defector? (laughs) How do we remain active in the church? By staying involved, by not getting indifferent, by not becoming infatuated. Oh, I pray that Grace Baptist Church is just full of people who will be co-laborers with their pastor until Jesus comes. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the liberty to preach. And Father, I just pray that if there, if there be one here that does not know you as Savior, that today they would make that decision. Thank you for the free gift that you offer us through your son, Jesus.